My name is Dr. Selva. I'm a consultant obstetrician and gynecologist at Makota Medical Center, Malacca, Malaysia. Welcome to this podcast entitled Surviving Private Practice in Malaysia. We are all aware that soon many doctors in Malaysia will be out of a job. So many of them will be looking at other industries to work in besides being a clinician. One such industry is the pharmaceutical industry. Today, we are fortunate to have Dr. Muruga Vadivel, who has 25 years working experience in the pharma industry, and we are going to learn about how a doctor can work in a pharma industry. Thank you very much for agreeing to do this podcast, Dr. Muruga. From your resume, I noticed that you worked in the Ministry of Health for 10 years before moving to the pharma industry. So my first question to you is, is that why do you make that switch? Thank you, Dr. Saluba. It's, um, actually, I had a difficult time deciding what I wanted to do. I enjoyed all the various postings that I was attached to. And uh, every time I did a posting, I wanted Wanted to take up a specialty there but never really got down to it and before i knew i got married in 86 to my classmate from my medical days and i had two kids and one was on the way and then i realized that government salary is not going to take me or take us far as both of us were in the government service. And then I decided that I should venture out. So I did my specialty in occupational health, but at that point in time, there were very few positions that were suitable uh, for me. And general practice at that point in time was not exactly my cup of tea. So, but I did realize that I love data and I love research. And I realized that while, especially this, while I was doing my master's uh, in Singapore. And uh, that's the point in time when advertisement came out from Serbia for clinical research position for Malaysia and Singapore in 1992 and I applied and you can see that is history after that. I, I noticed that you have actually served in many different positions in many different companies. So what is it working like in the pharma industry compared to clinical medicine? First, I think I actually had two long stints in two companies, eight years with a company called Servia basically in charge of research and, and 17 years with Aventis which uh, you know, finally merged to Sanofi Aventis and finally uh, Sanofi. So I was in two big companies for a long time before I quit and opened my own practice. So if you ask me compared to clinical research, it it is not as one, one you actually get to see patients and the other you don't. I think it really depends in which field of pharma and company and also on the individual as to exactly how you value this job pharma. One may not physically see patients, although nowadays you can negotiate to continue sometime in clinical practice. But on the flip side, if the company deals with cardiovascular, uh, endo, neuro, and uh, and depending on which other drugs that uh, areas that they are involved in, you get to you get to be a subject expert on the product and competitors. Plus, through the CME activities, extensive knowledge across into management, etc. Probably you'll be more familiar with latest guidelines, etc. I still feel confident managing patients if needed. You ask me. What are the challenges? I mean, you were trained as a medical doctor, and I'm sure you, when you were in medical school, you didn't have any training in this aspect of pharma industry. But what 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 challenges did you have while you worked in the in the pharma industry? Because I started in research, which was not so difficult for me. At that point in time because after coming back from my master's I, I also did a short course in statistics advanced biostatistics so I was kind of familiar in that particular area the only area that I had to quickly come abreast was uh, good clinical practice how to conduct clinical trials the second thing is uh, working with uh, different countries because I was in charge of Malaysia Singapore and Indonesia at that time so you have cultural environment that you also need to to man- 
manage. So say I was learning on the job. When I look back, managing people was is probably one of the important things for me. And uh, I had that experience because I was head of public health services to Kolapla Jumpol. And then I was uh, MOIC in, uh, in Kolapla Hospital. So that gave me an edge in terms of uh, adapting to my new job. You In Serbia, you're doing clinical research. Can you elaborate what exactly the work entailed? What do you mean by clinical research? What were you doing? Basically, we, we wanted to do some research on our product or to get the doctor to be more familiar with our product. Uh, most of the studies that we did were phase four and there were some phase three studies. My job was to come up with a protocol. A protocol is basically a study design as to how the study will be conducted and uh, to come up with a case report form or a data capture form that is how we want to capture the data. And then I need to prepare all this things for submissions to the ethics committee in depending on the country and uh, and also depending whether it's an open label or whether it's a double blind study get the therapeutic units uh, prepared so there are certain things that you need to prepare to get the study started and then you need to monitor the study you need to follow the study and to ensure that the investigator is conducting the study in the agreed manner of the protocol uh, so you go there and you monitor depending on the duration of the study until the study is completed then you do a study close out then you do uh, data depending sometimes you outsource the data analysis those days, uh, in fact, I actually did the data analysis myself. And then once the data is uh, out, you discuss with the PI or the investigator and decide on a manuscript for publication. So until that manuscript comes out, you can't say that you actually did the study because if, if there's no publication, basically, in my, it, it, to me, there's no, no data. That means there's no records. There's no evidence. And how many of these studies did you do while you were in Serbia? Oh, I, I did countless. I did, I did a lot, actually. In fact, being one of the first in the industry gave uh, you know I, I I was doing A to Z uh, that means I was actually writing the protocol the case perform the statistical analysis the medical write-up the monitoring everything nowadays you have different people doing different aspects of the job so I think I would have easily written about more than 30 protocols and maybe helped with quite uh, at least at least about the 10 or 15 publications yes and your job is, was at that time was only research nothing else you don't do advisory uh, roles in other aspects of uh, medicine? I was actually an advised. I was more like a hybrid uh, focus on clinical research, but also a medical, uh, playing a medical role in terms of sometimes doing medical training for the sales rep to better understand the disease or the product. So I also do that. So that means, uh, were you the only doctor in Serbia at that time? This is really early, isn't it? 94, 92, 92, 92, 92. Yeah, 92, yeah. Yeah. Yes, I was the only one. In fact, I was the only one when I first joined before I set up the operations in Singapore. And then I also set up the operations in uh, Indonesia. I mean, I'm sure now it's not the same scenario, isn't it? Probably Sevilla has got many other doctors working, the, doing the job that you did uh, as well, isn't it? Am, am I right to say that? Depends. Huh? Many the different companies have different plans uh, as they move along. So I'm not so certain whether Serbia today has a doctor or they may have. But uh, you know, many companies I've seen over the time have been upsizing, downsizing, depending on a lot of things. So it is fairly fluid in the pharma industry. If a doctor wants to move into a pharma industry, what, what kind of qualifications? You say that it is actually 
easier to join the pharma industry those days but it's much more difficult now isn't it am I, am I right to say that depending on the position you're applying for all right the, those days there were you know either clinical research position or a medical advisor role today there are other roles uh, there are msl so medical scientific liaison is more like a hybrid uh, between what you call that uh, medical advisor and a person who actually goes out on the field and supports the doctor outside so you spend a bit more time outside in the field compared to in the office let's call a medical scientific liaison then there are other roles in medical communication there is, there are roles in uh, medical writing there is regulatory there's pharmacovigilance so so there are many many different roles within the pharma industry i think most of us tend to gravitate to a medical affairs role which actually is part of msl or medical advisor is it a big field does most pharma companies have many doctors in, uh, working for them so it really depends on the company the country and everything else for instance when i went and took up the assignment in india as head of medical affairs and regulatory for india sri lanka and nepal i had a team because at one time even the r and d fell under me close to maybe 60 70 people and i actually had about 21 medical doctors reporting into me so it can be as big as that or it could be uh, you know as small as maybe 3 4 or 5 doctors reporting to you but maybe a, a team of 7 to 10 so it depends in some company you might be the only one what qualifications do doctors now require if they want to move to the power industry and like i told you in the early days it was not it wasn't an api by mbbs and if you have a masters or something uh, in another allied field it would be pretty easier to go in nowadays they tend to be more siloed huh? because now you tend to have medical directors of a therapeutic area itself so you might have for cardiovascular a medical director what call it uh, oncology a medical director for endocrinology a medical director and then one of them might also be overall medical director for the country so they tend to be more focused in the area and they tend to take more special so in india and in korea when i was managing these countries in green taiwan my medical advisors were actually specialists they were oncologists they were endocrinologists they were radiologists so they had some specialty or emergency medicine or something so the requirements in these countries like maybe japan korea taiwan and maybe india to a certain extent might be slightly different from smaller countries like uh, malaysia uh, thailand and uh, say for example hong kong and so on so i think the specialty really depends plus or minus the individual how he comes across doing the interview is also very important this is not so straightforward isn't it to to is not straightforward so if you ask me in malaysia if you got mbbs yes easy uh, you can at least and and uh, without fail getting into an msl position and then work yourself up into a medical advisor role if or maybe in some smaller companies trade into a medical advisor role if you have some experience uh, in a masters program it would be great because you have some background on clinical research etc so because you will be called upon to consult on to how to interpret a paper Uh, or how to teach a raps and you know, how to look at data uh, and sometimes you also need to sit in advisory boards uh, with uh, other specialty other doctors so you need some specialty background which help because then you have better idea of how to look at uh, clinical papers and so on do you regret 
leaving clinical medicine? Well, good question. I I have a philosophy that, you know, once a decision is made, I just look forward and try to see how I can do better going ahead. I don't like to look back and say, could I, I should I, I would I, you know, would have or, you know, what the outcome would be. I just like to look ahead. So I, and I, but I really don't feel that I lost touch with clinical medicine because, uh, you know, I, know I, I have to be an expert in my subject area. And as a medical director, you're sometimes in charge of all therapeutic areas. So you need to have some knowledge of everything uh, and you keep abreast with the latest papers, uh, you keep abreast with your competitors on the drugs. So from a drug perspective, you're usually better updated. You get to go for congresses and meetings overseas. So you get to understand what's the latest uh, cutting edge treatment or management, latest guidelines. So I, I won't say that I, I have not kept in touch with clinical medicine. I still get my annual uh, practicing certificate in Malaysia. I get my CME points. Uh, I sit for it. So I don't think so. I, I regret doing what I did. I mean, if someone is moved into pharma industries for a few years. Do you think mm. it's not too difficult for them to come back to clinical medicine if they want to? I think it depends on the individual. I mean, I did spend at least a good 10 years before I joined the industry. So I felt my grounding was quite sufficient. And if I were to come back into clinical medicine, maybe a bit of tagging for a while, and I think I should be able to come up to speed uh, pretty fast. What are the advantages and disadvantages of working in the pharma industry? I'm sure the young doctors would like to know. I think it is, it is depending in which career path you take is all the same. I mean, every career has a bit of trade-offs. From a knowledge perspective, you can stay current, as I mentioned earlier, because you get to interact with top experts in your country and even sometimes the world. Another domain is research because you get to do epidemiology surveys, interventional studies, and depending on the company, you can actually make a difference. I was fortunate when I was in Serbia that I, in fact, I actually helped set up the Malaysian GCP in Malaysia and in Brunei. And I also worked with the uh, good laboratory practice guidelines and uh, the National Ethics Committee as well, because I was one of the members of the NCCR in Malaysia, the National Committee for clinical research. The National Committee for Clinical Research at that time was set up by Dr. Ismail Merican, and he had pharma representatives as well on board. And I was a representative for pharma at that time. So you can get to do other things as well. So you can play a role beyond just your role. You could actually contribute to overall uh, help the country to a certain extent. In India, I conducted one of the largest epidemiological studies, 8,000 subjects across India. And I call it the site study, which is called screening India's twin epidemics basically focusing on hypertension and diabetes. So it is not all about just selling drugs, right? So you can actually engage in many other areas in terms of CME activities, either for the healthcare professional or to have a better, to come uh, to to elevate the understanding of the disease in the country as well. There are many advantages. What do you think is the disadvantage? I mean, I'm, I'm sure our audience would like to know what, what are the drawbacks of being a, a doctor in the pharma industry? Like any corporate world, I think there are stresses huh? because in such companies, there are KPIs and deliverables. So you need to make sure that you deliver on what has been promised for the year. So that, that could be a stress factor to a certain extent. The second thing is because the environment is changing. It's a very dynamic environment out there. And therefore, you need to, comp- you need to keep abreast of the latest in terms of information, knowledge, technology 
uh, and everything else. So you need to reinvent yourself every now and then. And if you're very ambitious and you want to climb the ladder, you need to position yourself to show that, you know, you have those leadership skills and qualities that's required for the role. Those are important challenges. If you if you don't do that, then you if you just want to do your job, you can be a contributor, right? A contributor is someone who's good at the job, but who doesn't really aspire to, to climb up the ladder, if you like, right? And this kind of individuals, if you take them and you give them a higher position, you may end up losing. The person may lose and you may lose. So depending on what you need, as I said, it really depends on the individual, what goals you set and how you want to uh, achieve them. Is it difficult to move up the ladder being a doctor in the in the pharma industry? So for example, in the managerial role, CEOs, you know, the kind of uh, role? I, I think really depends on what you bring on the plate. I mean, I was in Malaysia and, you know, I wanted to get a position outside Malaysia and, uh, you know, it's like, how do I show them that I'm capable of taking a larger role, right? So you need to show, you need to do things to show that you're capable so that they can take notice and they will give you a chance. So I had such an opportunity when I was offered that position in India. You know, it's like, for me, it was like taking coal to Newcastle. There are thousands of doctors in India. Why do they need a doctor from Malaysia to come there to be in charge of all their whole, uh, I mean, some of you are pretty big in uh, India, to be in charge of all their doctors and everything else. But the company did see that, you know, when I was a medical director for Malaysia, Singapore, Brunei, I had actually did a lot of things that was beyond my scope of job uh, uh, in terms of supporting the region. And therefore, they decided to say, okay, we like to invest in you and see, give you an opportunity to come out. So you need to do your part. Things are not going to fall on your plate. So, you know, you, you need to actually uh, showcase yourself to a certain extent. Uh, then you can climb up the ladder. Is it very competitive? I'm sure it is. Oh, of course, it is competitive. I mean, everybody aspires to 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 take those few roles that are available. If I have a good company, they have good HR policies, good training uh, needs. Also, you must have a good boss. I think all those are important. I was very fortunate to have a very good boss in India, whom you know was more like a mentor uh, to me, and I learned most of my leadership skills from him. What can young doctors do to prepare themselves for you know a role in the pharma industry? You think they they can do something else besides being just doctors? And you know that doctors being doctors, we are all so busy in our work especially the junior doctors, they're all, you know, busy working in their clinical practice. What else can they do if they aspire to join the pharma industry? I mean, taking me as an example, one of the things that actually got me the job in Serbia was the fact that I was uh, more IT literate than, than uh, the others because, you know, I had did my master's, I did statistics. And when I came back, I invested in, uh, in those days, it was a lunchbox, you know, a 386 SX. Acer. And I remember taking a loan uh, that time from the government for $5,000. It cost me about seven or 8,000 ringgit. But that investment, because I started using that to crunch data when I was in public health service, actually landed me the job in Serbia. Because when I had my discussion with the uh, regional medical director at that time, the discussion was actually on the computers, <laughs> uh, what model you had uh, uh, on data, you know. So investing time in this area at, at that point in time, right, was the right decision for me that helped me get the job. Today, the environment might be a bit different. Data is still important. So IT savviness is very important right so that that is one aspect of it and i said like if you know statistics you know other things it adds weight so while you're still in practice or you know if you have some publication under your wings that helps so anything 
additional is going to to give you a, a bit more advantage when you apply for the job. Now there are also courses. There are courses in masters in uh, pharmaceutical medicine. So you could also do that. That will give you an advantage as well. I guess you've got to start thinking out of the box if you want to move up, isn't it? Not just do your clinical medicine. I guess it all comes back to initiative in in, in any any field. It comes to initiative to to do more than what your colleagues are doing. Am I am I right? Is it that's just always the way the way forward, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, hard work. I think passion. Passion is very important. Innovative. You know, uh, having an innovative mindset, being creative, and then once you take more leadership role, uh, you should have uh, empathy. And I think empathy is uh, something that people are looking for. It is not just IQ. It's also important to have a good EQ. So I think these are the point, these are the things that uh, one should try to develop. What What do you do after you retire? I think you already retired from the pharma industry and you're running your own firm, isn't it? I mean, maybe you can explain to that. Yeah. If, if, if a doctor joins the pharma industry and then what can they look forward to after they have finished their pharma industry in the retirement age? So I mean, I opted out, you know, so I didn't actually when when I left the industry. Industry in in uh, two, two, 2017 because there was a restructuring going on and so they decided to remove the ASEAN level. That time I was head of uh, Asian countries, so I had a choice of either taking another position within the company and uh, I might have had to move. I was already based in Singapore. I might have had to move to France or I could uh, take what they call a, a retirement package and I leave. And I chose to take the retirement package and I left. That's why I then set up my own consulting. And since I set up my own consulting. In between, uh, I actually got short stint, uh, short stint uh, assignments. One with uh, Selgin to work in uh, Korea for about uh, you are supposed to be for six months, and then it ended up going up to one year plus. Then, uh, as soon as I finished Selgin, Selgin got actually bought up by BMS. BMS offered me another stint in Taiwan, so I went to Taiwan I, uh, last year, and then somewhere this year in March, I, I decided to quit. The first time I quit uh, the job uh, because of COVID, I couldn't travel uh, at. I basically had to stay in Taiwan. I couldn't come back and visit my family. And I realized that you know this is not what I really signed up for, and I decided to come back. But I also am doing my consulting uh, at the same time. So I have engaged a lot of many startup companies. I and because of my travel and experience, some of these companies, like in Korea and India, have also reached out to me, uh, and as well local startups as well. So. Now you get to you get to do things slightly different from what you set out in the pharma industry. But again, myself, you know, and when I started, I did A to Z of many things from R and D. I was in charge of regulatory. I was in charge of medical affairs. Uh, you know, so I had I had a breadth of experience. So I could apply all these various aspects uh, in my consultancy now. What what exactly do you do? How do you consult? I mean, how uh, and how do a company? Engage your services. One is like uh, I, I did. I, uh, I was also a mentor for one of the medical directors in one of the uh, multinational companies here in Malaysia. So they kind of engaged me to kind of guide their medical director. So that was a short uh, two months assignment two or three months assignment. And then there are companies like in Korea uh, where I look at development. So they had a product and uh, basically to take this uh, product into the market. So we had to do a lot of different preclinical studies uh, and then to then now we are going into the clinical uh, phase state. But at the same time, you have to advise them in terms of patent issues, in terms of uh, ensuring that you, know, you register the product uh, and so on. So there are many aspects of bringing a product to market uh, that I kind of uh, advise these companies. So it is like an ad hoc consultancy role from time to time. There's also 
also uh, another lab company that was also asked asked me to advise them on because they were looking at different aspects to kind of uh, help them in the strategy of exactly where to focus in the early days of uh, doctor on call uh, i was actually involved with them as well in kind of setting up the blueprint uh, on how to go forward so you know you get to do many different things kind of enjoyable to a certain extent because expect because you get to engage many different people and also learning at the, at the same time yeah so i guess you get paid for the stint that you do that your consultant your consultant firm yeah so, so there are ma- there are many ways of charging so it could be a retainer it could be uh, by hours it could be by milestones so it depends how you want to do how you negotiate with the company anything else you like to share with the audience the whole concept of this podcast is actually basically we are looking at young doctors going into this industry and with your experience what you know, you're kind of mentoring the young doctors now this is what you should do i think most of the things you have said already is there anything else yeah. you could say because i i you know i used to interview a lot of potential doctors who want to join the industry when i was here in malaysia and sometimes i have many who have actually still doing their internship or not completed the internship and they want to join the industry and sometimes i advise them that you know they really have to think through this because you know if you have done your in- internship everything then you have some a fallback right if if you come to the industry don't like the industry you can still go out and practice but if you don't complete uh, you know your compulsory service and everything else those days then you basically going for broke you know if you don't like the industry then you have nothing to fall back so sometimes i actually go through this exercise sitting down with them and trying to rationalize uh, this with them most of the time many of them actually decide to finish their internship before they join but i also had a candidate who did not but he was very clear and very focused on what he wanted to do and actually he's doing quite well today so you know uh, there sometimes you you really need to know what you want you know uh, your passion and uh, and if you have worked worked on all the points that you want to look through and you are very confident this is what what you want then then i had said okay all right then we will give you a chance to come and join the industry do you see medical doctors become drug reps oh it's happening it's happening in uh, in in india pakistan indonesia you have medical doctors who are actually going out i mean it really depends on the country the size the number of uh, you know it's about the balance right you have got surplus number of doctors then yes they understand the science better um, the whole idea of actually representative seeing doctors you know it, it's yes sales are important for pharma industry but making sure that they put the drug is prescribed correctly is also very important for them so you know if you are if you have a medical background it gives you that age to have a good discussion with your fellow colleagues but it is interesting because when i i sit down with them i i i tell this potential new medical doctors who want to join the industry i said look uh, you are now going to be on the other side of the table you know and you're going to talk to the person on the other side uh, where you used to sit before so you know are you prepared for that yes it's it's not easy i mean because i see preps all the time and because in in the medical practice we sit and the patient come looking for us now is other on the other hand you are going out to look at the doctor so i think you have to have the mindset and the, yeah. the longer you are in the medical field the more difficult i think is going to be to in that role isn't it yeah so as a medical rep yes i i say i i, I, I I agree with you but if you are a medical advisor or a medical director uh, normally you make an appointment with the doctor and uh, you know it's much easier to get access and you play a different role because you know you either sit with them on an advisory board or you engage them in clinical trials or you engage them to get their input on either the drug or the disease and so on so uh, 
the engagement is slightly different. You worked in different countries in the world, or at least in the Asia Pacific. Have you worked in the European countries at all? No, I have not worked in the European countries. Although I had my training, uh, I was sent by Serbia for six weeks training, uh, out of which. Four weeks was in France and two weeks was in UK. And that's about uh, my experience in this uh, in this region. Because I used to tag. You know, one of the things that I had to do there was to tag someone when they go and see doctors out in the field, uh, especially for clinical research. When we do international studies, multi-centric, uh, multi-country studies, we have investigative meetings, usually overseas as well. Uh, and from a company perspective, because my company... The headquarters are always, always either in France or in one of the European countries. Uh, we tend to go on a regular basis uh, for for updates, for training, and so on. What is your experience working and living in in, in the pharmaceutical industry? Can you can you share something with us? Yes, you need to be agile, right? Agility is one thing that is very important. If you are taking a different different country roles because you need to adapt yourself to the environment and the culture in that particular country. It's slightly different from, uh, you know, working in Malaysia. So like if I went, when I was after doing India, I thought, oh, I did India, such a big country. I can take any country in the world. But I went to Korea after that and realized that I couldn't really use all that I learned in India. I had to actually readapt myself to the culture in Korea, where it's completely different. Uh, and the way they approach things also slightly different. I'll give you an example. In India, if I were to say, you know, shall we do this? Uh, and, you know, automatically my team might say, oh, boss, it's a great idea. Let's go ahead and let's do it. And they start doing it. As they do, things might fall off. They'll take it up, put it back. But eventually, they will reach uh, the goal, you know. Whereas in Korea, it's slightly different. Huh? If you tell them, look, I have this idea I want to implement, they will sit down, they will look at it, they will discuss with all the stakeholders where maybe overlaps into regulatory or some other areas, and then only they execute. They will also reach the goal. Now, if you look at India and Korea, probably India might reach it a bit faster than Korea, but Korea will have no problem. They, they Nothing will fall off when they start executing. So the culture is different. How you approach things is slightly different. And I think that's one of the reasons pharma companies sometimes force people from outside countries to different countries to have this cross-country fertilization, and, uh, you know, because the culture is different. So Sometimes it's good for them to see some of the mindset of other countries. And that's where like people like me can bring in and introduce the, some good points. And sometimes it's also good for us because we also get to learn some of the good things that's happening in these countries. And then we can take this as our learnings and then use it in the next thing that we are doing. These are things that probably clinical medicine, I've, I've been a doctor for my entire life, I guess, entire working life. We, we, we just sit in one place and do the same thing over and over. And of course, we innovate and do different things, but... This is one thing that I think medical doctors miss, that is the ability to interact with people in different communities, different countries. Maximum we could do is probably get a stint in some other country and, and learn some skills and bring it back. So I think this is this is a big advantage being in a, say, in an industry like you, in a pharma industry, I think. Yeah, I remember when I was in Korea, you know, uh, I had a secretary and the secretary will not leave the office until I leave. And I realized that most of my staff don't leave the office until I leave because they feel they, that they have to go only after the boss leaves. And because at, at, at certain points in my career, I used to be on my own. My wife travels up and down. So now I had nothing else to do. So I, I don't mind sitting in the office and doing more work. And then I realized this. So I used to tell my team, no, you please go back home early. You don't have to wait for me. <laughs> and at one point in time, I remember my secretary waiting for me. And then she saw me coming out. And then she went ahead. Then I was held up by something else. Then by 
by the time I came, she was actually waiting at the lift with the lift door open, waiting for me to come in to go down. And I thought that was bad. But when I went there, there were three or four people from the above floors in the lift. <laughs> so I had to tell her, no. But that is the culture, you know, that's a very, that very hierarchical society at that point, at that time when I was working in Korea. But, you know, you need to adapt. So I need to adapt and I also need to tell them, you know, okay, this is what I don't expect. But no, I'm, I understand this is how you all do it, but it's okay with me and so on. I think I've, uh, I've exhausted my questions. I don't know whether anything else, <laughs> you would like to, anything else you would like to add. So at the moment, you are completely stationed in Malaysia. You don't, don't go overseas at all, isn't it? At the moment, no, because now you can do most of the things through Zoom. So I still do consulting. One of my, uh, what do you call it, uh, companies that uh, requested my service for Korea, in Korea. Um, so that's about it. I think this telehealth, telemedicine, tele everything is, you know, Zoom session, all are, you know, is going to change the way we are going to work in the future uh, in a good way, yeah? in a good way. But there are also certain negative aspects for this. Uh, you lose the personal touch of, you know, the face to face of the verbal, the, the body language, uh, those things are all not there compared to, you know, compared to actually seeing someone face to face. That's one question that you had asked me earlier. Anything else you would like to share with the audience? Uh, I would say follow your heart, your passion, but you need also to do due diligence. Eh? You need to understand the scope of the job and the expected deliverables. So when you join the industry or anything, you go in with your eyes fully open. Eh? And if you're not sure, consult or ask someone who has been there or, uh, you know, so that you're better prepared when you go in. Yeah, it's true. Every time you move from country to country, you, you, I know it's easy to stay in one country because you, you know, after three years staying in India, you can, you know, everything in and out. It's, it's easy just to carry on doing the job. Uh, to move yourself to another country and start from scratch, uh, you know, uh, in a new environment, uh, sometimes sometimes slightly different products, it, it takes a lot more effort. And also when you move companies, even that's even more difficult because you're, you you lose all the networking that you have for the start again from fresh and again new products and new country, new environment, everything else. So, but it, it's an interesting challenge. Yeah? yeah. Thank you very much, Dr. Muruga, for sharing your experience with us. I'm sure your experience and advice will be appreciated by doctors who are thinking of moving to work for the pharmaceutical industry. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe to this channel to learn more about private practice in Malaysia. Bye.